gentlemen, pimps in between, welcome one and welcome all to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza. It's episode 164. Pardon my lack of enthusiasm for the intro. My typical chipper uh, demeanor has been shot in the face in like five different ways in the past two weeks. And uh, obviously that's basically going to be what this entire episode is about. So if you don't want to hear maybe some negative discussion, maybe some difficult conversations, this probably is not the podcast for you. And it's already been 30 seconds, so we have your view. So get the hell out of here, you freaking weakling. This is a therapy session, and we're going to be open with each other. We're going to speak our truths because that's what we do here. Um, It is just... One other fella with me this time round. It's not like the last installment where we had Mac Johnson. Oh, there's a freaking board down all by himself. And can I just say, shout out to Mac. He did a damn good job from uh, solo podcasting American to solo podcasting American. I was very proud of our of our young man, uh, Mr. Mac. So uh, shout out to Mac. If you haven't listened to it, um, go do so just to, just to give us the view. It's, again... Not easy, uh, not easy listening just because of what the topic uh, uh, was. But regardless, we got to keep going, man. We're not good weather gooners here at the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. We keep making content, folks. And uh, the man who likes to use the phrase good weather gooners is joining me today. It's the man that met the legend with a versatile name, Rob Bob Bertha, the man that I so like to call... Mm, I like you, Rob. We'll call you uh, Martin. Martin today. Martin Odegaard. One of the only players, I think, from uh, this past couple weeks that can maybe keep their head held up high. How you doing, Rob? Yeah, well, I think this this episode was introduced quite aptly with that um, low-energy pimps. Um, hopefully, we're, we're back to a high-energy pimps uh, later this week. But, yeah. Let me start by shouting out Mac as well. I, I actually really enjoyed the podcast that he produced on his own. I thought he did a really good job. And um, if that's something that you listeners like, um, do let us know because we, we've been chatting in between ourselves, you know, Alf, Dan, and um, Mac and I, and we've sort of been uh, galaxy braining a little bit. Uh, perhaps that's exactly what our, Mikel Arteta is doing right now. And um yeah, we, we thought maybe a few sort of monologues uh, uploaded to the, the uh, podcast page could be could be a little nice thing. So let us know if that's something that you're interested in. But well done, Mac, for that. Um, yeah, it, it's strange, really. A bit oxymoronic because both you and I have just got back from a trip away. That's why we, we couldn't record last week. And I think we're both well rested. Um, but, you know, since we've been away, things have really hit a wall, you know, the the draw away at Anfield was very easy to digest. I think I think uh, everyone knew that was a game we could drop points in. But you know, looking back to that predictions pod we did a few weeks ago, uh, not one of us uh, foresaw us dropping points against West Ham or Southampton. So um, yeah, the mood has changed, uh, and today we're both going to discuss. You know our our difficulties in recent weeks and then look ahead to the biggest game in probably 20 years for Arsenal Football Club on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, so uh, this has all the uh, potential to just get even more depressing there at the end too, man. This is uh, it's going to be a pretty pretty heavy podcast, folks, so buckle up for it. 
Um, yeah, uh, Rob, you and I were both obviously away for the for the West Ham one, and uh, we both had some some sort of turbulence in our personal little holidays that we were on. So I, I, I for one, was just like, come on, Arsenal, please, man. I'm in a freaking Quiznos subs in an airport that I shouldn't be in right now. Please, please do what you got to do. They didn't. And then for the second week running, Rob, they didn't again. You know, and I mean, this is ultimately just to sort of, I guess, encapsulate it with one uh, sort of um, headline, if you'd like. Um, I would go with, do you remember, um, I can't, it's funny because I can't actually remember what the instance was that happened, but it was ironically with Manchester City and it was a really big goal that was crucial for them in their title race. And the commentator said, that wins titles. And I can't remember what it was exactly, but... Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but neither can I. But, yeah, I, I don't uh, know. Alfie would know. Titles. Yeah, Alfie would know the minute, the second, the freaking color of the boots the guy was wearing that scored. Somehow he's a freaking freak. It might, um, have been, might have been the company one. That's what I was thinking, actually, the, sure. the crazy shot, but yeah. I don't know. Give that a goog, folks. It's not our job. We're just we're, we're small-time media. We're not doing all that here, man. We don't get paid to do this. Um, but my headline for for this this particular match would be that loses titles. What would be your uh, your headline for this week, Rob? Oh, uh, it's a really difficult one, actually. Um, but I think one. Uh, one phrase that I could uh, could use is um, probably, you know what? I think an apt phrase to describe the capitulation on on Friday would be: experience doesn't win titles, quality does. Um, and just to expand on that a little bit, something which you know I'm eager to talk about in this episode is. Um, arguably the least experienced players in our side, Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayo Saka are the ones keeping us alive, keeping us sort of just above the water. We're, we're breathing, you know, we're heading towards drowning, but we're still breathing. And let's, let's not be all doom and gloom. We're, we've still got a decent cushion, but the games in hand are off, obviously um, sort of coming towards us now um, that City, of course, have. Um, but, you know... When you look at Friday's game and you look at the experienced players, the two that have, you know, they, in fairness to them, they have sort of charged us towards this title and Zinchenko and Jesus, they've changed the mentality they have, but they lost their heads and Saka and Martinelli didn't. They were dragging us through that game. They were keeping us alive. Um, so yeah, uh, experience doesn't win titles, quality does. Love it. Yeah. Um, and, and we're going to only talk about this one for about 30 minutes or so and then just get right into the city one. So let's kind of just go ahead right into the goals then. Um, Rob, that was a probably the worst start imaginable. I have been one of the biggest supporters of Aaron Ramsdale this season. How couldn't you be? He's been amazing for us this season um, and, and making saves at distribution, whatnot. This, yes, if, if Alfie was here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate for a little bit because Alfie would say, well, when you play the ball out with the back, this does happen. you know." And it's true. It does. It does. He's right. He, he would be right when he inevitably said that. But 
it also is just like looking at the passing sequence. I don't know what he's actually trying to do. It kind of looks like he just loses concentration for a bit. And Southampton, in the position that they're in, when you give them that sort of a golden opportunity, they're they're looking down at the championship through a you know paper thin glass floor right now. They've they've got to do everything that they can to survive at the moment. And if you give them a golden opportunity like that. They're not going to mess it up. Now, I, I, if I'm remembering the stat correctly, I believe we have conceded the two quickest Premier League goals in history this season, um, which is pretty crazy considering they the, the last one against Bournemouth wasn't all that long ago. So walk me through uh, sort of the emotion that you were feeling after that pretty uh, catastrophic error from a guy who's been so reliable between the six for us this season. Yeah. Um, I was chatting to my... Um friend who I went to the game with uh those who follow me on me on Twitter will know that I managed to get a ticket on Friday night and go to the game um and I was telling him that I sort of had this little uh, this little feeling within me just before you know we were just passing it around the back quite coolly and I had this little feeling that somehow that ball is going to be in Aaron Ramsdale's net um I don't know how, but it's going to happen very quickly. And then it did happen. And usually those feelings don't materialize, but it did. And I, I can't say I was all that surprised. And he, he mentioned to me that even though we only conceded against Bournemouth, this has actually been a theme, This these weird starts to games. You know, sometimes we start really quickly. Um, and usually we still do, even if we do make a slight error in the first sort of few seconds of the game. But this has been a little pattern. Um, so I can't say I was all that surprised. Um, I think I see the pass that Ramsdale's trying to make and I would actually sort of stand on the side Alfie would probably stand on in saying that, you know, this does happen. But the execution of the pass is really, really poor. And I think it probably lends to the argument that it's a little bit of both. It's Ramsdale... Um, sort of not knowing what to do but I think he did know what to do but he wasn't like completely decided in his brain so he doesn't execute the pass properly there's nowhere near enough pace on it it's a bit wayward Um, and then Alcaraz picks it up and it's a a pretty good finish but yeah quite contrasting goals the two that we conceded early on Um, you know the second one were just carved open and you know I remember peeping at my phone the group chat was popping off because we were just so open um and i i can't remember us looking that open this season at any stage really no i mean this this was one of the worst arsenal performances i think that we've seen this season if not the absolute and i just it's annoying because i feel like i said that about the uh the second half against west ham just recently you know, so that that is a uh, a cause for concern for sure. But yeah, I mean, the second goal, just the manner in which we were sliced through, and of course, it's the obligatory former Arsenal player scoring against Arsenal. We we all know that's that's sort of an an inevitability at this point. But it's just yeah, you you can compartmentalize conceding goals, but when you concede them in this sort of a way, where the players just they look like almost incapable of, of preventing them from happening. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on individual performances a bit later on in the show, but Thomas Partey, for example, this match was 
probably this was probably one of the worst individual performances of any player I've seen this season. I thought he was horrible. I mean, just the passing. He, he's always had this in his game where he has a lazy pass here and there, but it just seemed like every pass was lazy. And he just was getting out-muscled off the ball. It just it, it looked pretty pathetic, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm not just saying that because I want to talk crap about the player, but he really was just so poor on the day. But it, it, we can't just pin it all down to one player. I mean, just everybody in that sort of sequence, Rob. I mean, I think it became apparent that Fabio Vieira really is not going to be that guy that takes up the granted jocker role. He's just not a center mid. Um, and, yeah... At that point, I was personally completely furious. I was fuming, um, and and that's when you start to think about the uh, the title charge, and, and you start to question whether or not it's gonna gonna come to fruition or not. Yeah, I think it's natural that the the big questions sort of creep in at that point, and you know it, it, it's typical. Walcott is is I don't even know what. Theo Walcott is these days, but he's not a great Premier League player anymore. But that was Theo Walcott rolling back the years. It was a absolutely picturesque Theo Walcott goal, you know, slid it was behind. So Theo. It was so Theo. Like, and how many goals did he score like that for us? It's crazy. That that mm-hmm. finish, it's vintage Theo. Um, and, you know, he actually spoke really nicely about us after the game, and I'm happy to see him score the goal, but we shouldn't be letting a player of Theo Walcott's caliber score goals against us. He's not that guy anymore. Um, and, you know, that that's just emblemized, is emblematic of the, the whole issue here. We shouldn't be conceding two goals against Southampton. Um, I could probably come to terms with the late consolation, but the three goals at home against bottom of the league is, is not what, title winners do and you know there's been a lot of analysis of the goal um you know rob holding when the ball is sort of pumped forward by southampton is very deep and it, he's definitely not in a position that william saliba would be in but i i struggle to sort of accept the whole um Oh, it's Holdings' fault. You know, this is a is a group of players who, man for man, even Rob Holding, you know, every single one of them, apart from Lavia and the Southampton midfielder, who's a pretty special player, um, they're all better than their opponents. So, you know, maybe it, you can't play how you do every week, but you work out a way how to beat this team, and it shouldn't be too difficult. Um, you know, having holding in in there sort of makes us struggle to play in the way that we did during the first half of the season and, you know, against Fulham a few weeks ago, against Leicester as well, we were pretty good. We can't squeeze as high and um, we can't exert that control, but you've got to troubleshoot. You've got to work out how to, to play even with a slightly inferior player in, in the side and can, you know, we should still be keeping a clean sheet against Southampton, bottom of the league at home, even with Rob Holding in the team. So, yeah, it, it, it's quite troubling. Um, and when we get into speaking about City, you know, there's a lot of discourse on social media about what we should do to to sort of maybe not start holding or, 
how we cope if he is in the side you know that's that's something we'll we'll get into but yeah there's there's a real issue right here and just to speak more generally about this game I think even if we had won it I'd have left the Emirates Stadium feeling so very weird because it's it's just repetitive now and it's not sustainable this whole let's score three goals in the last 10 minutes and turn this around it's just it's not what title winners do they do it every so often they do it once or twice and you have those majestic moments but you don't have if you go on to win a title you don't have 10 Reese Nelson moments you have one of them and then the rest of the games you are absolutely solid at the back and completely in control and that's what Man City are at the moment um so yeah I just think the flaws in this side the lack of depth um and then also probably that little bit of nous that we don't have in terms of being able to adapt it's all just being exposed right now yeah you know that's that's been a frequent thought that I've had is just this game if it was Man City they just they just flick them aside. They're like, okay, let's just get this out of the way. Focus on the uh, FA Cup semifinal this week. Okay, let's, you know. Oh, oh, we've got Southampton right before. Let's just destroy them 5-0. No, no worries. You know, like, that's what the best teams do. And it really makes you feel sort of like, oh, are we maybe just punching well above our weight this season? You know, like, that's, sort, that's where my brain immediately goes to, is it's like, have we just sort of been overperforming and this has always been in us this sort of ability to to mess shit up essentially because look we have to look at the 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 cold hard facts I mean William Saliba was nearly just gone you know I mean like we don't know exactly what happened in terms of like his his saga and everything um but he was loaned out a couple of times. You heard some whispers that he wasn't maybe the happiest with the situation. Then all of a sudden, he was integrated back in. He became, you know, a stalwart in our team and, and became like the best young central defender in the world, you know? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. We signed a £50 million right centre-back last season and he was not supposed to be our right-back. No, he wasn't. And... And now that we've lost that one central defender, everything just totally falls apart. I mean, that sounds to me like you're trying to hold up a building with a freaking paperclip then. You know, like all due respect to Saliba, but maybe that's why he's having these back issues because he's carrying one of the biggest teams in the fucking world at, a, as, at such a young age. I mean, that's, that's just, that's ridiculous. And if that is the case with this, then we don't deserve to win the title. You know, I mean, that's, that, hurt, that pains me to say, but it's just the truth. Because City, I look at all their fixtures they have for this season. I'm looking at, at the FA Cup final, mind you, as well, and their Champions League fixtures. I think they could just win out. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. This is one of the best teams I've ever seen. So when you're not even showing up to Southampton at home, then you know there's some serious issues. Now, Rob, I will say this. Um, it's been pretty uh, pretty doomy and gloomy so far. But I think one, one young man in particular... Sokka too, but I think this guy especially can really hold his head up high, and that is Gabriel Martinelli. Somebody in the group chat said, this guy is like probably the one and only main man that's amazing under pressure in this team. He just doesn't, he actually seems to excel under pressure. I think he could 
I think you could probably throw Reese Nelson into that discussion as well, by the way, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But yeah, Martinelli, I mean, against all odds, 20th minute pulls out a, a, an exemplary finish, by the way. You know, it's good work uh, in, in the buildup as well. But I think that's a difficult finish to put home, and especially when your team's under so much pressure and Martinelli gets us right back in the game. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's Saka and Martinelli again. It's Saka having the Southampton left back Perot on on the ropes all game. Just you know, and, and that's the great thing about Bakayo Saka. He's so two footed. Uh, Perot is is, re- is clearly just so worried about him coming in on his left. Okay, I'm going to go down uh, to the touchline. I'm going to swing it in with my right foot. I'm going to find um, this probably the second best winger in the league on the uh, or young winger, but. You know, there's a case to be made that they're both the best wingers in the league at the moment. I'm going to find him on the other side and I'm going to score and we're going to get back in this game. And that's what quality does. That's what I was alluding to at the top of the show with my headline. Uh, You know, quality wins out at the end of the day. And it really did feel like perhaps we were just going to come back into this game and and maybe even run a bit of a riot because Southampton couldn't handle those two. you know, there's a few others who had decent attacking moments, but Saka and Martinelli, are, we are so lucky to have them. And it's why I'm I'm not concerned about people saying that we're going to fall away. There's no way we're going to fall away if we have those two. And they've both, you know, Saka not officially yet, but they've both committed their long-term future to the club. We are, we are in such safe hands. We will be right up there next season and we'll be right up there the season after if we can keep those two guys fit. Um, but yeah, I agree with Martinelli. Uh, he was electric and, you know, there were the doubts about him, uh, sort of post world cup and Katia struggle, sort of struggling to combine with him. And what a surprise everyone who said once Jesus is back in the team, Martinelli is going to start firing again. They're right. You know, we'll chat a bit about Jesus. Maybe we'll speak about him in the Man City sector of the episode, because I think he's got a really interesting role to play in that fixture um <clears throat> but uh even though he's not scoring goals or didn't score a goal score a goal against Southampton he's clearly facilitated Martinelli getting the best out of himself again um and yeah what 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 a brilliant player um and yeah then Southampton managed to score a third after half time I put in the chat I fully expect Arsenal to go and win this game but again, put that little caveat of it will feel a bit weird because we conceded two um, against Southampton at home. But I forgot that we can't concede, we can't defend set pieces, so we conceded another one. Uh, no, I mean these are these are the goals that really just take the wind out of you because they're so. I, I don't know. This is a whole weird thing that I've had this season in particular, just caring so much about the title race. But like. Every goal we concede, I feel like, feels so melodramatic, if you get what I'm saying. Like, it feels like the ball goes in. There's the whole, like, drama show afterwards as well. And, by the way, I I don't mind Zinchenko doing it. I'd prefer he um, sort of just got on with his job and actually did his defending second goal. Um, But there's the whole, oh, yeah, come on, guys. Come on, mentality. Everyone pointing at their heads. Like, it feels so dramatic every time we concede. And... I think after the third goal in the stadium, everyone was a bit bored of that. You know, first goal, let's get behind the team. Second goal, even, let's get behind the team. Third, it was just like, come on, guys. 
we're, we're winning the league. We're leading the league right here. You're better than this. Let's let's just calm down. <laughs> yeah, that's always. I mean, obviously, with with I think Zinchenko in particular, a, a big thing with him has always been. Yeah, the emotions are are good in some ways, but then I think bad as well. I mean, clearly it, it we got galvanized a bit and eventually got a draw in the end, but it was just like, you're right. You, you said it perfectly, Rob. Do your job. Don't worry about all the weird theatrics and being passionate, whatever, after the ball goes into the back of the net. Why don't you just do your job at, at first and then we won't be having this discussion. I mean, it's, it's such a basic corner routine too. That's kind of what pisses me off is just, Hit a man um, early in the box. One header, bang. Second header, there you go. You know, it's just like, come on. This is these were the type of set piece goals that we weren't conceding, and now all of a sudden we started conceding them. I, it, it's a cause for concern. And yeah, I mean, you've got to, you got guys like Rob Holding in there, Thomas Partey in there. These are guys that are good in the air, you know, and you're you're conceding off of a set piece. I I don't understand. It's it's so infuriating. And yeah, just. But yeah, so weirdly like melodramatic every time we concede a goal. It feels like it goes in the back of the net so slow. I don't, I don't know if maybe that's just me getting caught up in the emotions and whatnot. But that one, really, I just sat on the couch and was like, oh, come on, man. At that point, I will, con- I will confess, at that point, I thought it was over. I thought we had lost the game. I thought there was no chance in hell that we were going to get anything from this match at that point. And uh, that's pretty infuriating considering the opposition. Um, But I was just like, man, we got to, got to somehow manage to beat Newcastle and Manchester city. I guess that's really the, the only way. Um, But obviously pretty impressive comeback. I mean, I got to give a, I don't think he was the best on the day, Martin Odegaard, but you got to say that he woke up, he woke up. He really did. I mean, the, the questions are going to be asked, yeah, why didn't he wake up earlier? And those are more than valid questions for sure. But this is what a proper captain of a team does. I mean, when you're up against it, he just – you and I, Rob, in the past have criticized him. For, we're like, why is he shooting now from, from well outside? He's taking these, you know, sort of uh, crazy, wacky efforts. Zinchenko, same thing. Um, but this one. This one paid off. It's a really, really special finish from Odegaard. And, uh, yeah, I, I said this on, on Twitter. I think he's really one of the only, like, out-and-out captains that we've had for a long while. He just grabs the game by the scruff of the neck and says, right, we got to we gotta get our heads out of our ass. And uh, he is, that's all, that goal is ultimately what gave us the confidence and the belief to, to equalize um, late on, and actually, I, I kind of thought we were going to win it late on. We, we ultimately didn't, but um, just quickly walk me through that Odegaard goal, and then we'll talk for just a minute or so about the soccer finish that uh, ended up equalizing at 3-3. Yeah, I think you're right to heap some praise on Odegaard, though. I think, you know, having been captain basically for a full season now, you know, Laka got injured about this time last year, and Odegaard got the armband I think it's the best captaincy decision this club has made in my sort of Arsenal supporting lifetime. Uh, you know, Koscielny was a decent captain, but I think lacked the minerals a little bit. Again, Arteta and Mertesacker, good captains, but this guy fully gets it. And 
you know, he leads by example, but not in the way Aubameyang did. He leads an example in the way he sort of carries himself, but also with his performance. And then you can tell he's a leader out there as well. You can see that he has the respect of those around him. And that, I think, is in large part down to his quality. Um, and yeah, it's sort of been brushed over because uh, of the mayhem of the last sort of 10 minutes of the match. But it's an exquisite finish, you know. If it's a goal that we score to win the game, it's it's one that, you know, is being played over and over again for years. You know, Bazunu had no chance. I had the perfect view of it, arrowed into the corner. Um, so, yeah, great finish. And the second goal, I think, was a bit more of a mess. Well worked. Um, frustrated me, though, because it came at a point in the game where Odegaard and Trossard began to take on their men. And I was like... Why haven't you been doing that all half? You know, it's so evident that individually, man for man, we are better than Southampton. We should have just been doing that all game. You know, it's something that, you know, has sort of become a bit of a meme, but Arteta speaking of his jewels, that's what it's all about, being able to take your opponent out of the game through. And you can either do that physically or you can do it by, you know, getting past them through a piece of skill. Odegaard does it through the skill. Uh, Trossard's a wonderful technician, but he's also an absolute handful physically. Um, you know, he almost gets a goal late on the winner by taking on his man, getting in a dangerous position. Um, yeah, I think it's really... Fr- I'm, I, I, I left feeling so dejected because we had... If we just turned it on like we did in sort of 85 plus minutes, 10 minutes earlier, we would have won that football match. Um, But it wasn't to be. But alas, we didn't. I mean, yeah, I'll be honest. I was was pretty hyped up when when, when Saka scored that equalizer. And then when you see it's eight minutes added on, you're like, oh, come on. This is it, man. We're going to do this again. Um, by the way, another name that wasn't mentioned in the final uh, sequence of the equalizers, Reese Nelson, who I touched on a little bit earlier there. Just this guy barely ever plays. And then when he comes on, just I thought he was outstanding. He's, he's a freak. What player is that good at coming on late in a match and making that much of a difference against a low block? It's He's a freak. <laughs> yep. I, I think this guy is, is a really special player. And um, he, he's just got a really good mentality on him. And it's it's funny because we'd be having a different conversation right now if, you know, uh, he took that shot and the keeper catches it. Because it looked like one of those that maybe could have been caught because it wasn't the fastest. But... Maybe it's at such close range that you just have to have to parry it somewhere, um, and then obviously Saka just just taps on the rebound. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was so impressed by by his uh, his individual performance after he came on. Also, yeah. goal and assist for Saka. It's what the best players do. Don't play that well, and you get goal contributions. I, I it's funny you say that. I literally said in the chat, I was like, oh, Saka hasn't been the best today. Then I clocked him like, oh, wait, he has an assist. And then all of a sudden, now he's scoring like a 90th minute equalizing goal. I mean, yeah, that's how high the standards have become for Bukayo Saka, though. That's just, he's a victim of his own success, you could say, really. So, uh, yeah, all in all, very, 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 very frustrating game for Arsenal. I just... These these last couple of draws, I feel like a loss. You know, they they really do. It's because you're when you're in a title race against, like I said earlier, the best team in the world by quite some distance. Really, you can't be you can't be doing this. And uh, 
Yeah, now it's it's on to Manchester City, Rob. Um, I mean, yeah, just just to yeah. touch on what you're saying about the draws feeling like losses. At least they're not losses. You True. know, this this time last year, or I don't know if it was exactly this time last year, but we lost three on the bumps and it it completely derailed our season. And if we had drawn those three games, we'd have been in the top four come the end of the season. So. Who knows? Those, those three draws, we could look to really value them. City have got a horrific run in uh, in terms of fixtures, uh, in terms of fixture congestion. The quality of opponent isn't too high, but you never know what could happen. And we could look back on the three points gained as crucial. Uh, it doesn't feel that way at the moment. It, you know, the last two games have 100% been um, four points dropped. Um, and, you know, the two points don't feel all that comforting. Um, but who knows? They could be crucial. I'm glad we didn't lose the games. No, I mean, ultimately, yeah, if, if you were to hold a gun to my head and you were like, oh, do you want one point from each of these games or zero? It's like, yeah, of course you take the take the two points. But I guess it does just sort of feel like a loss more so because you feel like you're face, facing a kind of invincible invincible. This entity. is how it feels to yeah. face a juggernaut, you know. Yeah, a, yeah. A, I draw, mean, a draw away at West Ham. Any other title chasing season isn't the worst result in the world, but it is because you know any time you drop points, you you your direct rival is going to get a three. Sad. Yeah, well, you can, uh, Rob. I mean, you could realistically say the same thing about Southampton at home. I mean, I know it's at home, so it's a little different, but twentieth place haven't been relegated, and yeah, they are. Yeah, they, uh, they're a bogey you team know? of our. Ours as well. so, uh, yeah, bogey team, you know, so uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, though, when you're playing against or fighting against a team like Manchester City, you just you can't afford to to make that. I mean, look at the way they brushed aside Bayern Munich was absolutely terrifying. I know they're not in the best of ways at the moment, the, uh, the Bavarians, but it was still just like so easy for them. It looked so effortless. Um, Let's talk about the game that we have against them this Wednesday, though, Rob. It's one of those ones where I'm, I'm genuinely happy it's on Wednesday, so I don't have to look forward to it all week long. It's just kind of like, get this done, man. I either want to be pumping my fist in triumph or I want to be crying on my living room floor. I want this game to be over. This is the most nervous I've been for a game, I think, probably ever as an Arsenal fan, to tell you the total truth. Um, and... Every match is sort of feeling like that, but this one just feels like the... It, it's the biggest game of the Premier League season, without a shadow of a doubt, and it's weird to be a part of it, you know? Yeah, I saw an ad for it on BT Sport two weeks ago, and it was already being branded the title decider, and at that point, we'd only just, you know, drawn to Liverpool, and we were still pretty much in control if we if we won two on the bounce. Um, but now, it's absolutely must-win. I think everyone concerned with Arsenal is is fully aware of that uh it's a shame that it's must win um but you know there's been a lot of sort of talk about this game and I, I must say I I do sympathize with the argument of you know a lot of these pundits even I can't believe I'm going to praise him but Gary Neville and he sort of said that these players should be really excited for this game um it's it's the sort of game where you're you're given that chance. You it, it's like a final. You're like if you win this game, 
you could very well go and win the Premier League. Um, you know, we obviously have Newcastle a few days after, which isn't ideal. Um, but it's one of those, isn't it? I think we have every right to be excited, completely consumed with nerves as well. And yeah, it's uh, you're right. It's, it's the biggest game in I don't know how long for Arsenal Football Club. And you've got to say over the years when we when we've had these games, which could determine our fate, especially recent years that they haven't tended to go our way. You know, the game away at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last season springs to mind. Um, but this team has shown um, throughout the season that we shouldn't, we shouldn't discard them. We, and that's, that's why you're consumed with nerves. It's because you know that this team can do something special. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a bizarre one because, you know, the the rationalist in me says we there's no way we can go to the Etihad with Rob Holding in our defence and get anything. Um if I was like an analyst, that would be my 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 conclusion, but I'm not. Uh, I've got my Arsenal fan hat on right now and I have every hope in the world and you know I made the prediction in the predictions pod that we'd go there and we'd scrape a win and and be very solid defensively. I, I can't make that argument anymore because we don't have William Saliba. Um, but special things happen in title races, heroes emerge, and this could be one of those days. It's just that possibility, isn't it, that, that keeps you alive, hope that kills you, eh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Shout out that famous Arsenal meme, man. You know, when I'm talking as an Arsenal fan, it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I'm not confident going into it, but it is just you can't deny that this team could be pretty weird sometimes. I mean, just just look at last season, even. I mean, it's a different different side this campaign, but last season, the the final running when we just all of a sudden we beat Chelsea, we beat United. You know, and we're like, what the hell is going on? You know, but that's what that's what they do. So, I mean, let's let's be honest. It wouldn't surprise us at all if we were to beat City, then get thumped by Newcastle or something. That would be that would be the most Arsenal um, Arsenal set of results imaginable. Going to beat the juggernaut, and I mean, not that Newcastle's a great team. And my by the way, what they did to Tottenham, that's going to be a bit of shot for it at the end. Um, so we we could so we could sleep at night and not just think about city the whole time. But um, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm so nervous for this one, man. I mean, they've got the best striker in Premier League history leading the line. They've got Kevin De Bruyne. They've got eight good players in every single position. I just want everyone to take a step back for a second and really appreciate the fact that we are even competing against this team right now. I mean, I know. United fans and, you know, I, I, they're, they're the best example, United fans. I guess you could throw every other top six sort of supporter in that mix as well. But United fans seem as though they have just sort of fully got on board to Manchester. They want Manchester City to win the league. They don't want Arsenal to win the league. And that's because City are a soulless club that nobody actually cares about. But I think even Manchester United supporters would have to admit that Arsenal winning the Premier League would be so good for the sport because it would just be a 
middle finger in the face of all this money that has entered the game. I'm not saying Arsenal are freaking uh, innocent, by the way, because we've got a billionaire owner of our own, but we don't have an entire country backing our team. And like I just touched on, we don't have three good players in every single position across the entire roster. Like, it's it's incredible. Man City squad is preposterous. And I think it's kind of embarrassing that they haven't won a Champions League yet, if I'm being totally honest with you. I mean, with the amount of money that they've spent and the quality they have. Um, but anyway, what I'm, what I'm getting at before that mini rant was, it is just so impressive that this side, with these young players, is competing against what you described earlier as a total juggernaut. So I think regardless of what happens... We need to be super proud of this team. Obviously, that said, put, we need to put our heads down and, and hope to win this game. But, Rob, I mean, do you, do you get where I'm coming from? I mean, like, I'm going to be devastated if we don't win the league title. But it's just, now it's become so real. And now we're going to face this scary monster of a team. And I'm just I'm just happy we're a part of it, man. It's stressful. But- yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's really important to stand back and have a bit of perspective and I'm I'm not going to be that guy to make the argument like oh imagine if you were here at this this um if you knew that Arsenal would be here at the start of the season you would grab it with both hands and I'm not going to say that because our expectations have risen across the season you know we've been in a fantastic position all all season um we've pretty much been leading the Premier League table all season and it will be really disappointing and if we don't go on to win it and I think there will be justifiable justifiable criticism but we've done remarkably well this season um it's, it's a young squad but a squad full of quality I don't want to take anything away from the quality in this team um you know when we were at our very best at the start of the season we were I would argue we were pretty much as good as City are now the issue is we've dropped off um and now they have hit the form that we were sort of so comfortably hitting uh during the early days of the season um and that's that's difficult to contend with um perhaps impossible to contend with we'll see um but yeah you're right daniel this man city's hide um you know i saw someone on on twitter say this would be the most remarkable football achievement of all time if city go on to win the treble of a premier league a champions league and an fa cup and i'm like so you're telling me that um an fa cup run which involves beating Sheffield United in the semi-final and then a final where you beat a Manchester United side who are in the middle of a rebuild. Don't get me wrong, they've got a lot of money in there, but Manchester City very much should um, beat a Manchester United in the in the final. Then we've got a Real Madrid side who are, um, you know, that's not to discount one of the Milan sides in the final, but semi-final, you've got a Real Madrid side who... Are punching way above their weight and I think pretty much are only successful in Europe at the moment because of their aura. I take nothing away from their brilliant midfielders and Benzema and Vinicius. But, you know, on paper, City are much better and they play better football. And then the league, you're competing with sort of the youngest ever title contenders. No, that's not a remarkable achievement, especially if you consider the fact that you have cheated your way to competing with these guys. We know they've cheated. So 
if Arsenal win the league, yes, it will be one of the greatest Premier League achievements because we're competing with the team who, first of all, as you say, have um, sort of an unlimited bank account and then a team who've used that bank account illegally. Um, and I don't want to, you know, use that excuse to um, deflect from our own sort of failures, but they have cheated. Uh, it's important to remember that there's a report which has established that they've cheated. And even if they're stupidly um, intelligent lawyers get them out of it, um, they have cheated. So that's that's the end of me being the sort of shit out of that um, narrative. But it, it needed to be said. Um, but yeah, speaking about the actual football, um, how do you feel about going there with the, with the Rob Holding in the back line? Yeah, well, we're just recording this, folks, basically uh, just a few hours, really, um, after hearing the news about William Saliba. That's, it's like one of those news things where they're like, well, we don't know if he's going to be out for the rest of the season. And then they just don't say it. It's like, okay, so you do, basically. But no I mean, return date, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Um, so, yeah, uh, that that worries me. You, you just think immediately of uh, Rob Holding versus... Versus Erling Holland, and that just makes me want to shit my pants. I mean, Saliba versus Holland would be nice. You know, I mean, these are this is a monster athlete versus a monster athlete, a colossal young talent against the very same thing. So, yeah, in that regard, I'm nervous. Um, and then I just think some of the mentality minnow uh, insults thrown by. Shout out me and a lot of other people out there. Mine were out of pure emotion, folks. I don't actually mean it. I just get a little upset when I'm angry. A little upset when I'm uh, when I'm scared, I should say. And uh, that just... These last two results in particular really don't fill me with confidence going to the end yet. I mean, I, I have to be honest. And then the record there, my heart wants me to be like, oh, we could do it. We could swing it. We could find a way to do this. But it's just feels like one of those things where we have to be hugely reliant on them maybe misfiring and us taking advantage of a lapse from them. And I just don't really know if they're going to do that, like I said earlier, for the remainder of the season. They have just hit their stride, and they are blowing teams away. I mean, again, what they're doing in the Champions League against Bayern Munich, yes, you know, it, it, it hasn't been the most intimidating of runs in their tournaments, but still the manner with which they're blowing teams out of the water. I, I just, I'm struggling to remember seeing anything like it. I would maybe compare it to something like Luis Enrique's Barcelona, you know, just the way that if you watch them play a league game, I'm sorry, it's boring. It's, it's not entertaining because it's just, they kill them. They just obliterate them. And now they're starting to do this in the Champions League, too. So, yeah. uh, No, I'm not confident at all. I'm very scared. Um, I just hope that we put everything out there and we give them a really hard time. I mean, it's one of those where it's it's, you don't want to say you take a loss, but, like, if everything is put out on the field and we are truly just bested in a fashion that's not totally humiliating – I don't think we could be all that disappointed because yes, we've been very good this season, 
but we're not as far along in our project as like Man City are, for example. They have the best coach to like ever coach in the sport and then this ridiculous squad. So I, I'm already making excuses for for ourselves. So that's, that's how I'm feeling, Rob. How are you feeling? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important to remember how, how much further along they are in their, in their project and the fact that, yeah, we, we really are punching above our weight here. But yeah, here's my sort of tuppence on the, the whole situation on both teams. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying Arsenal do have an area in the Man City team that they can really exploit because Nathan Ake is injured. And that, that is huge. Um, you know, if that were the case and we had Saliba in our team, I'd be like, hell yeah, we can we can go there and do do the business. Because if he starts Laporte, Saka is going to enjoy himself because I really like I'm Eric Laporte, but, you know, he, he won't be able to handle Saka's agility out wide. No way. Um, and then if he sort of overthinks it and goes for a Bernardo Silva or someone like that, you know, we ran right against them in the first half of the Emirates when they did that. So there, there is an area to exploit for Arsenal and it's important that we are confident that we, we can do something in that regard. And then my sort of feelings about where it's gone wrong for Arsenal and why I feel, um, you know, vulnerable going into this fixture. I think basically when we lost Eddie to injury, Arteta stumbled upon this this sort of formula of Trossard, Saka, and Martinelli. Um, and I basically view Trossard now as the Tomiyasu of our front line. The issue with our defence was we lost William Saliba and Tomiyasu to injury on the same day. Um, if we had Tommy, I'm not saying we would have been able to perform to the exact same level, but you can plug him in either at centre-back or right-back, move Ben White over. And you'll be fine. It's losing both that killed us. Um, and it's nothing against Rob Holding. He just doesn't have the technical proficiency to sustain the level that we can hit with Saliba or even Tomiyasu in the defence. So, yeah, I think we're vulnerable going into this fixture. I think Zinchenko's in an emotional phase. Um, I hope it doesn't erupt. Uh, you know, he easily could have been sent off against Southampton, by the way. That was a hor- horrific challenge from him. Um, then Gabriel is basically having to single-handedly defence, uh, just hold together the, the defence. Rob Holding's confidence is going to be on the floor. He'll know that the bad run has coincided with him coming into the team. Thomas Partey's in bad form. Granit Xhaka could be under the weather a little bit. Um Ben White is sort of having to do more defending because he's having to hold hand Rob Holding a little bit. We're vulnerable. And we, I think, probably need to go there with the philosophy that Arsene Wenger sort of famously did years and years ago at the Etihad when we lost 5-3. And he said, uh, like, the best form of defence is attack. And... You know, we ended up losing on that day, but I think we probably do need to go there and try and blow City away and exploit the weakness in their backline, which will be there. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, coaching in MLS now is is Wayne Rooney, and you know he says some pretty weird, stupid things from time to time. But um, 
he really did hit the nail on the head recently when he, he was talking about this uh, upcoming fixture. He said, you can't just sit back against Man City and let them terrorize you. I mean, what, what if two, maybe three teams had success from that this season? I, I mean, like, it's it's not... And they were they were just lucky. You know, you look back at the Nottingham Forest draw, for example. Luck that they didn't lose that. They deserved to lose. They just, I don't know what happened. They just got a little bit lucky on the day. Um, yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. You kind of just have to turn this into a shootout. And look at the reality of the situation. Our defense is kind of a mess right now. You know, we're, we're missing our superstar young central defender. We've th- had to throw Rob Holding in there. Tommy Yasu's out as well. I agree with you. Uh, he would just be plugged in there, I think, instead. Um, so, yeah, maybe just use the firepower that you have. We've got plenty of it now. And just see what you can do, man. I would rather us go and lose this game, say, 3-2 or 4-3, even something nuts. 5-3, maybe even. Then us just lay down and die and lose 2 or 3 now. I don't want that. Yeah. Any game which we can go into with our reliable front five of Martinelli, Shaka, Jesus, Erdegaard and Saka, we should be confident that we can score goals. I don't care who we're playing against. So at least we have that. Yeah, no, no, for sure, man. And I mean, we're, we're talking about guys like Martinelli, you know, coming up big under pressure. And I think this is a really good opportunity for them to sort of do something a little bit similar to what we did in our FA Cup win when Mikel Arteta first came through. I mean, we didn't have a snowball's chance in South Florida of winning that title. And yet, it's a little bit different, admittedly. We did it anyway against all odds. It was almost like being the underdog favored us. And I want to see us maybe use that same energy that we did once again because at the end of the day, we are the underdog. And this one, crazily enough, we've been at the top the whole whole season, but we are far and away the underdog coming into this fixture. And I just want, I want to see them playing with freedom. I don't want them to worry. About, don't worry about it. Don't even worry. Because like at the end of the day, I mean, yes, if we win this game, it will be huge for our title hopes. But crazily enough, despite the way that we're talking, my cat is just going absolutely bananas running around my apartment, by the way, so apologies. Um, I don't know if anyone could hear it, but I know Rob could see me going like this. Um, But crazily enough, this actually won't end our title hopes if we lose to Manchester City. So just go out there, play with some pride, maybe sprinkle a little bit of doubt into Manchester City's brains, maybe make them think, shit. We could see it a couple goals against Arsenal. Maybe we've got some problems, you know, and do, do what you got to do. And that's that's what I want. I just want us to go out there, don't get humiliated, and play like the Arsenal we've been all season. Yeah, completely agree. And I I completely understand what you were saying earlier when you just said, as you know, I don't want to talk about being humiliated because I. I actually don't see us being humiliated. It's not what we do these days. Um, but as long as they leave it all out there and we know that we gave it all our all and we caused City problems because we can, I'll be content. And as you said, it's not even over. If we can score a couple and lose 3-2 and just make Pep question his defense or something like that, you never know what can happen. 
we say the most Arsenal thing ever would be to to beat City, then lose to Newcastle. What the most City thing ever would be, beat Arsenal, lose to a, lose a couple fixtures that you're not supposed to lose. You know, like that. Uh, you, their fans say it all the time. They're like, "Oh, typical City." I know that's that phrase has since sort of died now, considering what, how good they are. But like, you know, this this team has that in them, and we saw at the beginning of the season. They're not totally invincible. I mean, it may seem like they are now, but they 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 could be got at. And yeah, you touch on the injury there of Nathan Ake. I mean, yeah, you know this this it's a possibility that we can we can make something happen in this game. So all in all, Rob, I, I guess I should ask you this: just uh, um, we're winning two one last minute. We concede an equalizing goal. Obviously, it'd be devastating. But in the grand scheme of things, despite it being that painful, I just I draw off these messed up scenarios in my head all the time because I'm a sick freak. Would you take though a draw, no matter what the circumstances were at the Eddie Hat? Because I have to be inclined to believe that I personally would, because I think that would be a phenomenal result. To be honest. I think it's difficult to say that you, you take a draw just because you know how good this Arsenal team can be and said it before Anfield and afterwards I could come to terms with it. But I was like, no way, I, I want us to get those three points and this is different. This is a City team who are at the top of their game and of course, um, you know, if you're sort of hanging on for dear life level, of course you're going to take a draw, but... No, going into the game, I want us to win it. I don't want to put that sort of energy out there. And I know we can. Um, as, as long as our attackers are fearless, what they have been all season, we can, we can do this. Um, it's going to be difficult at the back, but let's, let's make this fun. Let's make it a goal-scoring match instead of um, a game of chess, which, you know, looking further ahead, I think pretty much all of these games against Manchester City. Next year, once we've shored up our squad, once we've signed a couple of midfielders, an extra defender in there, maybe an attacker, it's just going to be chess every time because we're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with them. This one is good. Let's make it a little bit fun and show why we are the two best teams in the land and put on a bit of a show. I hope that we, we try to do that. Yes, I agree. We're the headline act. We've got to show up. Get on that stage and do what you got to do, Arsenal. That's that's all we want. You heard it here first, folks. Arsenal to win 1-0 at the Etihad. Gabriel Jesus, 78th minute goal. Could you imagine the scenes? Pep Guardiola's bald head falls off. I mean, that would just be great. The city would just capitulate at that point. That would be amazing. Um, yeah. I would, I, I, I would love it, and I think I deserve, as the meme says. So, God, please, that would be amazing. Um, let's let's wrap it up. It's been a good show. Uh, apologies for any negativity at the beginning. Apologies for any uh, pessimism at the end and fear, quite frankly. Rob, you're more pes- uh, optimistic, I should say, than me. So credit to you for, for, for balancing us out. Uh, that's what we do here on the Arsenal Cannon Podcast. Um, let's just go ahead and make it spotlights. My spotlight, just so we can definitely touch on it, is going to be... Oh, actually, you know what? Let me say this before the spotlight thing. That Martinelli thing, though. I love Martinelli. He's been fantastic for us this season. But that shit he's doing, that Harry Kane shit, because it wasn't the first time. He, he's done that multiple times a season. And I keep calling it out in the group chat where he backs into someone jumping up in the air. 
you got to stop that shit. I mean, Martinelli, I know you're a, a huge fan of the show and you're listening. So please, dude, stop, man. You're going to fucking kill someone. Like, don't don't be doing that. That's not playing football the Arsenal way. Anyway, um, on a more positive note, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, man, the gift that just keeps on giving. They've had 78 managers this season. They just fired whoever the heck that other guy was. I don't even know. I didn't even get the time to know him. Um, and now uh, now freaking Ryan Mason's got to be in charge. Let's see how many games he lost. Maybe I'm, I'm predicting two or three. Um, the club is a mess. I don't know if you saw the press release that said, statement from Daniel or something, not Daniel Levy, Daniel. It's like, oh, we're just buddies, man. I was like, this guy is out of his freaking mind, dude. What a psychopath. Um, St. Trotteringham's Day was uh, just recently. That was beautiful as well. So while it's been a bit stressful recently as a gooner, let's just enjoy the fact that our uh, smelly neighbor is falling apart. It is a beautiful, beautiful sight to see. So that has to be my my spotlight uh, for, for this episode. Martin, or should I say Rob, what do you got for me, my dude? Um, so, yeah, I've got a, a lump on with the Spurs stuff. It was um, pretty hilarious. I can't remember the last time an interim manager was sacked. Interim. I mean, his job is literally expiring in a few weeks, but no, they've they've got rid of him before it expires. So, yeah, that, that's, so, that's pretty... So, did he get... You know how, like, if a manager gets sacked, they mm. get... Yeah, he's been sacked. Oh, yeah, so he'll get severance, yeah. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. What a dream job. I mean, it was bizarre anyway. He's a Conte man. I can't... It's a bit weird uh, how this has started happening. It happened somewhere else as well where, like, just the assist... Yeah, Chelsea, with when Potter went, the um, his assistant stayed, that Bruno guy. And it's, like, so weird that the whole backroom staff doesn't leave with the man that they came with. But anyway, hilarious Spurs, um, you know my face um thinking about them is, is akin to alexander isaacs when he scored the fifth that, that's brilliant i mean oh, what a player he is by the way to everyone doubting him when we were linked with him last summer i think maybe we should be all feeling a little bit silly now because yeah he's a brilliant little player um and then yeah uh to add on to that martinelli thing i don't think he should have been sent off because no one is ever but I would like to see a rule introduced to punish the players that are doing that because it's uh, it can cause such awful injuries. Um, totally then, agree, by the way. Totally yeah, um, hopefully next season. Uh, and then my marketing opportunity, let me plug Vinay's tactical um, piece from Southampton. Thank you to Vinay for carrying on writing. We're not the most consistent and we love you, arsenal.co.uk at the moment, but we're carrying on powering through. And uh, Vinay is a crucial part of that absolutely maybe one of the only parts of it at the moment um shout out to me i haven't run a fitness frolic in like 68 years but maybe that'll come soon i don't know we'll see i like how we're like uh and we love you arsenal uh we love you arsenal.co.uk we're like bad weather gooners we only like to write when things are bad i guess i mean now that everything yeah, i've got to say my, my ideas are less uh forthcoming let's say when when we're doing well i remember uh first off the season i was like i'm gonna write today what am i gonna write about <laughs> how just how good is zinchenko yeah like that's the kind of crap you start coming up with and you're like this stinks nobody wants to read this crap um yeah great show rob um i guess i i i can't say this question or no, it's not a question i can't say these 
I'm so stupid. I didn't even know how many words it was. I can't say this four word phrase that Alfie usually says at the end of every podcast that we never have prepared. So can you say something regarding a tune or something? We need a song. Ah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. I was was trying to look up something like optimistic. You know what would be funny, man? Go on. Maybe if we play an Oasis song. No, no, no. Save that for when we beat City. Yeah. I was thinking, because as I said, I want us to play well and show how good we can be. I was thinking a bit of Dancing in the Moonlight. And that has, that yeah, has connotations to City as well with their whole Blue Moon crap. Um, so, yeah, hopefully <laughs> we can have a nice dance in the moonlight on Wednesday night. I'll take it. Let's, let's put it up at the end. Folks, thank you for listening. We didn't really plug it a lot this episode, but I wanted to, and I... I told all the lads to, to keep doing so. you got to leave a freaking review, man. Leave a review on Apple. Leave a review on Spotify. Write a sticky note. Tape it to a pigeon. Send it over. We don't care. Just send a review in somehow. Leave a comment. Quit just putting stars, you lazy dorks. Put a freaking comment, too. Say, Rob is the best. Max monologues are amazing. Alfie's a nerd. Daniel's not that bald. Just say something nice we appreciate it and uh we'll see you on this alfie (laughs) well well, you don't have to lie i mean come on Um, (laughs) poor alfie probably thinks he's got through an entire episode without any stick and then in the in the 65th minute a late a late bullet header from worthington (laughs) sort of alfie a dagger alfred and dagger right the death dude alapishvi that's his, that's his name now. Shout out, Bald. Um, no, I'm the only Bald one here. Don't forget. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we'll see you on 165 as we celebrate our 1 0 victory against Manchester City. Adios. Bye. We get it almost every night.
every night. 